welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Okay, any anything you want to say? Not yet. You're formulating the counter argument, are you? Perfect. That's excellent. Okay, so when I started to believe this is what God was saying, I thought, but there's loads of scriptures that say, uh, talk about little faith and great faith and, you know, going on about if only you had faith. And so I did a little study because I thought this cannot be true. There's too much that talks about, and we've been taught so much about increasing our faith. So Great, great response. I think that's the correct response. So I'm going to go through a few scriptures that it helped me. me. I'm not going to go through every scripture. Um, But because one of the things that I I was saying to God, but God, I'm sure it says in the Bible, little faith. And, and, And Jesus, I'm sure, said little faith. So how can this be true? And Jesus himself kind of rebuked the people for having little faith. And um, so I looked up the scriptures and I'm going to do this little study from Matthew because um, they're all in Matthew. They're also in other scriptures, but uh, other of the gospels, but they're not all in all of the other gospels. So, um, okay, these are the times in Matthew where Jesus apparently rebukes people for having little faith. So let's just look at these. So the first one is Matthew 6. Thirty. Okay. And if you want a bit of Greek, get the right language. Little faith. If I'm correct, uh, faith in Greek is pistios or something like that. Okay, it might not be exactly correct, but I've got to look it up again, but it's that word. Little is oligo. Uh, I mean, we use it, I don't know if you use this word for little, we use it a little bit in in, in English. Oligarch, uh, a small ruler. Um, So it means little, small. So in these scriptures that we're going to talk about, when Jesus says little faith, the Greek is oligopistios. Pistios is faith and oligo is little. Okay. So the first time Jesus says uh, little faith, it's this little, it's this scriptures where uh, Jesus is, has been teaching And it's that whole teaching he does when he goes up to the mountain and the Beatitudes and then he continues to talk about all sorts of different things. And then he talks about worrying. 
And if you remember it, he says, do not worry. Uh, and then he gives these examples. So we shouldn't worry about, about our life, what we eat, what we drink, about our body. Because it says, is life more than food and is the body more than clothing? For the birds of the air, they don't sow and reap, but God feeds them. So which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit, one meter to his stature? Why do you worry about clothing? Look at the look at the flowers of the field. Okay, we know this scripture. It's one of those famous scriptures. And then it says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, Oh, you of little faith. So I'm saying, God, there you go. Jesus said, little faith. So, so the problem is Jesus is recognizing little faith. But actually what he's saying is this word, little faith, oligopistios. And, and what it actually means is, okay, it's, it's this concept. If you are a baby, you are a little man, right? A baby is a little man. Has the baby, is the baby short of anything? Do babies get born with a body and a head and no arms and as they grow they get one arm and when they reach five they get another arm. When they get to ten they get a leg and then by the time they've grown up they've got everything. No. Babies are born with absolutely everything. So in fact a, a, an embryo by the time it's eight weeks old has everything it's ever going to have. All it does after that is just grow. So this idea of little faith it doesn't mean it's lacking in something. It means it is underdeveloped. It is a faith that is not being used. Okay, so it has this concept of underdeveloped, unused. So Jesus is not saying to them, you don't have enough. He says, the f you're not using your faith. Your, your faith is little. You're, you, are, you are not yet mature in your faith. You're not using what you've got. So it's the same concept. I'm sure you've heard this before, okay? Personally, I cannot run a marathon. Probably, Timon, you can run a marathon, maybe. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. I can't run down the street, okay, let alone run a marathon. Okay, if I say to you, I'm really, it's, it's terrible for me, I can't run a marathon because I've got no muscles. What, what would you think about that? I'm wrong. <laughs> I've got exactly the same muscles that you have. I've got the same <laughs> quadriceps and whatever. I have exactly the same, okay? But why I can't run a marathon is because small <laughs> it's not trained it's not used exactly and that that's the concept of this little faith so Jesus is not saying to them you don't have enough he says you're not using what you've got you haven't developed it you haven't trained you haven't you haven't grown into maturity that's the concept of this word when we read little faith we think oh there we go Jesus said it not enough and of course it's not enough because it's, he's, he is rebuking them. He's saying, but what he's saying is, he's not saying you need to get more. 
What he's saying is, you need to use what you've got. You need to activate that that you've got. The same as if I want to run a marathon, I'd better start training and using. Probably I can run a marathon. I probably have the capability to run a marathon. <laughs> but I'd have to start running. I'd have to start training. I'd have to start doing everything that you need to do. And, and it's true, probably some people don't have to train very much to do a marathon. They might be more naturally able to use the muscles that they were given than I am. Uh, or maybe it's something in the, in the mind or, or whatever. But this concept of little faith. So, so what, what I noticed when I was looking at, at all of these things is, yes, Jesus is saying little faith, but he's adding a little something to what he's saying. So he's not, he's not rebuking them, saying, oh, you've got little faith. What he says is, Will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? And then he says, Therefore do not worry. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? So, he said little faith, but he also said the rebuke was, do not worry. So, he's expressing a concern. Jesus is saying to them, your, your, your faith is undeveloped. But the issue really of this, of this, the point of what he's saying is not, oh, too little faith, get more faith. What his, what his rebuke to them is, is do not worry. So the whole point of what he's saying to, to them is, is don't worry. He's not, the point of what he's saying isn't, ah, you don't have enough faith. Because, because if, if he's saying that, he's not giving them any answers. So what the answer he's giving them is, do not worry. Now this is a really interesting thing, uh, and we'll talk about it again, um, but quite an interesting command. We all, you know, we always say, oh, those who love Jesus obey his commands, and uh, the evidence that you love him is obedience and uh, the, the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples is going to all the, all the world and preach the gospel and he says teaching all men to obey. And what what is it we're supposed to obey? We know it's not the Old Testament law but Jesus did command quite a few things. He did, he did it's quite, it's quite clear, do not worry. He didn't say don't worry if things are going well. He didn't say, don't worry if you can help it. He didn't say, don't worry unless, you know, uh, you've got some psych psychological problem. He didn't say that. He said, don't worry. And to me, that means that must be possible. It must be possible for us as human beings to not worry. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying we don't all do it. But it's interesting, isn't it? Jesus isn't saying oh guys you've got a problem with your faith he's saying you've got a problem with your worrying that's what he's actually saying so the next time that he says um, that he says this same thing this little faith is Matthew uh, oh where is it Matthew 8 26. Okay, I love this one. Well, I love them all, actually. It says, 
23. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. So this is when Jesus was asleep in the boat. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. The disciples are, many of them, fishermen. They are terrified, which means it must be an awful event happening. Jesus is asleep, which must be really frustrated, and they are extremely anxious. And he said to them, he didn't say to them, sorry guys, I was so tired, I didn't know what was happening. He says to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Why are you fearful, you of little faith? You're not using the faith that you've got. And he says, fearful. Okay, so that's another time when Jesus says, so Jesus isn't saying, sorry guys, you've got a problem with your faith. Um, If you hadn't got a problem with your faith, you would have done something about it. He's saying you've got a problem with your fear. That's the issue. He said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. If you want to look at that story in Mark 4, verse 40, it says no faith. He says no faith. Um, 1431 Okay this is this is the one that really persuaded me if you've not yet been persuaded okay So the disciples are out on the sea again and uh, Jesus was left behind and the disciples see this guy walking on the sea And it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus is always saying to them, don't be afraid, don't worry. He's not saying, have faith, have faith. He's saying, don't don't fear, don't be afraid. And... um, then we know the story. Peter said to, says to him, If it's you, Lord, tell me to come and I'll come. And J- Jesus says, Come. So it says, And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Isn't it absolutely fascinating? If you walked on water, what would you think about your faith? (laughs) Pretty good, right? I mean, I'd be quite impressed with myself if I walked on water. And uh, I would think God would be kind of patting me on the back and saying, great faith, well done. Jesus says, little faith which is why I don't I don't believe anymore that Jesus is saying well you're a failure you've got to do better you've got to get more faith 
what he's this Peter's just walked on the water if that's little faith then I'm really happy with little faith that's enough for me what he's saying is the point of Jesus saying little faith is not to rebuke them saying they've not got enough he's saying he's saying why did you doubt your faith was working there's nothing you you you, you were you were wait you were working you were walking on water but you allowed doubt to come in what 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 did Peter do he looked at the he, he stopped looking at Jesus he stopped he started thinking about everything that he was doing he started thinking about the fact that he couldn't walk on water and he got afraid and so so Jesus said why did you doubt why did you start thinking about something else doubt is double-mindedness it's I think one thing but so that's what Peter did he thought about something else and so that was that's another occasion when Jesus says little faith so you have to start thinking he cannot mean not enough faith do better get more uh, increase your faith because Peter had walked on water what he was saying is stop doubting not increase your faith but stop doubting and the last one in this um, is a little bit more complicated to um, understand okay so it's Matthew 16 8 okay this is this is one of the times that um, that Jesus had fed um, I think the 4,000 so it was the second recorded account so it fed the 4,000 and they were um, getting away from the crowd and they got back into a boat and um, I'm not sure about the timing of this it doesn't it doesn't clearly say um, but basically Jesus left the disciples again and they're in the boat and so this is after the event, uh, sometime after the event of feeding the 4,000. And so um, it starts off in verse 5, so Matthew 16, verse 5. It says, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. So the disciples had a big issue, and that is they had forgotten to take lunch. Now, it's really interesting, isn't it? At some time in the recent past, they had just seen Jesus multiply bread and feed 4,000 people and yet they were in the boat and number one they'd forgotten lunch which is quite quite interesting why why 12 guys can forget to take lunch but that's a different matter and the other thing is hadn't they realized by now this guy Jesus who was with them could basically make bread out of nothing so they really didn't have anything to worry about, even if they hadn't taken bread. But they were, they were still in this place where they, they didn't get it. They didn't get Jesus. They didn't get what, who he was. They didn't get what he was doing. And they were still living in this level. I mean, they were not yet born again. They did not yet have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So these guys were really struggling. So Jesus says this really strange thing to them. He doesn't say, how many times have I told you to bring your sandwiches for lunch? He doesn't say that. He says... Take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Leaven is yeast. It's the thing you put in bread to make it rise. That's a bit weird, Jesus. I mean, what, what, why are you saying that? They've forgotten lunch. You're talking about making bread. And then in 17 it says, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we've taken no bread? So they're saying, what, what is Jesus talking about? 
is he is he is he upset with us because we didn't bring any bread that he's making some strange statement about yeast and Jesus being aware of it said oh you of little faith well that's really weird what's little faith got to do with forgetting your lunch and this statement about being aware of the yeast of the Pharisees so this is the the fourth recorded time in Matthew that Jesus says you have little faith and it's weird the, the, the disciples haven't failed to do anything it's not that they've not managed to do a miracle they're just upset that they didn't bring their lunch with them and it says why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread okay it's a bit of a confusing reason you know to think about things it's a bit of it's a bit of a odd statement basically what what Jesus then goes on to say is don't you understand or remember five loaves of the 5000 and there was extra to spare seven loaves of the 4000 and there was extra to spare how is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees the leaven is referring to the teaching of them so uh, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So it's a bit of a confusing paragraph. But this is one of the times that Jesus talks about little faith. And it's weird, isn't it? Because it's not, he's not rebuking them for um, leaving their sandwiches behind. He's, he's just saying, you're not understanding that there's something wrong with your thinking. You're, you're dealing with stuff on the level of your mind and you're not, you're not, therefore your faith is not active, it's not working. The faith you've got isn't working. So I, I think this is really interesting and, and it, it kind of, I think it adds to the fact that we don't have a problem with our faith. Now, there's a couple of instances that, that Jesus said, great faith. I don't know if you know them or remember them. Um, I'm not sure if I can find them, but um, there's two, two uh, occasions. And um, it's really interesting because both of those times, the people that Jesus said had great faith were um, non-Jews. So they were, um, uh, what's the word, Gentiles. So they were Gentiles who came to Jesus and said, uh, asked him to do a miracle. And both times he said to them, great faith. And you look at what they did, it, it's just quite interesting why he said great faith. So one of them is Matthew 8, which is the centurion. So remember Jesus is out healing, um, he's healing lepers, and this centurion came to him. So centurions were Romans, uh, he was not a Jew. He was not, um, he didn't by rights really have any of the promises that were, that were available to the Jews. And he says, not sure if you remember the story, but he says the servant is lying at home, paralyzed and tormented. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. I think that's a great deal. I mean, can you imagine what a great deal? If Jesus said to me, I'll come and heal him, I would say, fantastic, <laughs> I'll show you the way. Um, but the centurion said, I, I'm a man who understands about authority. So I'm a leader, centurions led, they had a, a hundred men, didn't they? That's why they were centurions. And he said, I have soldiers under me, and if I say to them, do it, then they do it. I don't have to go and make them do it, they do it. 
And so the centurion said, I, I recognize that you are a man of authority. Therefore, if you say it, it will happen. So that's what the centurion says. And in 10, verse 10, it says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So this is one of the times that Jesus has great faith. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because all the centurion did was recognize the issue of authority. He just said, you don't, you don't have to come home with me. I know, who you, I know that you are, I've watched you. I can see how you work. I just know what you're doing. It's a simple thing. It was just a stance that the centurion took with Jesus. It wasn't that he'd, you know, jumped around and begged him and persuaded him and, and you know, proved that he was worth it and paid him a lot of money or anything. He just, he just had this solid place of saying, I know who you are. I've watched you. I know who you operate, how you operate. You can just say the word and it will happen. And it did happen. And so that was one of the times that Jesus said great faith. And then the other time was the, what we call the Syrophoenician woman. Um, yeah, um, Matthew 15, okay. I'll, I'll summarize the story again. Okay, so Jesus is out doing his stuff, his healing. And um, this woman from Canaan came and said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So this Gentile woman had a problem with her daughter. And Jesus ignored her. So it says, he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries after us. So this woman is begging Jesus for help, and Jesus is ignoring her. And eventually the disciples say, can we just send her away? So it's quite interesting, isn't it? What, what is going on here? And he finally answered and basically says to her, I, I didn't come to heal the Gentiles, I came to heal the Jews which is pretty awful thing for Jesus to say, I think. I mean, if I'd gone to Jesus asking for healing and Jesus said, healing isn't for you, I think I'd have probably said, oh, sorry to bother you, and gone back home and, you know, said, mm, he says healing isn't for me. 25, she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. That is really awful and rude. What he's saying to her is, it wouldn't be good for me to heal you because healing is for the Jews and you're not a Jew. I mean, it's awful. It's, it's a real rejection from Jesus. And I, I, it's just interesting. It's interesting why he does it. I think he's doing it because he, he knows she has faith. Because there's something about faith that Jesus could see. So I think he's kind of playing with her. I don't think he's being awful. I think he's demonstrating a point. Um, but actually, if you were that woman, it's horrible. First of all, he's ignored you. Secondly, he said, it's not for you. Thirdly, he's calling you a dog. He's referring to you as a dog. He's saying, you know, it's not right. You're a dog and you don't deserve to, to receive what the Jews have. And that was the culture of the day. She was a, she was a Gentile and was not acceptable. She was unclean.
And yet she says, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. I think Jesus just had this massive smile on his face because it's like she, she, she did it. What did she do? She just didn't waver at the fact that she knew who Jesus was. She was absolutely confident she could have what he had. And even when he put it, put it, tried to put her off, she wasn't having it. She just, I, 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 there is a way for me to get it. I can eat the crumbs from the table. She didn't get offended with him. She didn't get fearful at him. And, and that was the time of, of, uh, of Jesus, the other time of Jesus saying, great faith. And it's interesting, isn't it? She hadn't done any major thing. She hadn't. She wasn't even worthy, to be honest. She was a Gentile, and yet Jesus says it's great faith. So I think I do think we've got it wrong about this whole thing about get get more faith. And um, I'm sure there are some scriptures that talk about building up your faith. Um, but I, I see it in a different term now. I, I see it in a different way, and this is how I see it. And maybe it's just words. Maybe we t we're talking about the same thing, but for me, it helps me a massive amount. Because if I'm in a position where my faith is failing and poor old me, I don't have enough faith, what am I going to do about it? Live the rest of my life, poor old me, poor old Syrophoenician woman, the bread's not for her, so. What's she going to do? Her daughter's never going to get healed. Poor old me. I've just got little faith. I just, you know, okay, I can do some exercises to get more faith. I can do a bit of training maybe, but probably you're going to fail. Probably your faith will fail again. So I don't think it helps us to believe that we have a problem with our faith. I think it helps us to believe that we're not using the faith we've got. Okay, so definitely, definitely that's one issue. So we're not using what we have. And it's, it's the same as we were talking about last week, okay? I, I, I can prophesy, but I can choose not to. I can choose not to activate that faith and prophesy. Doesn't mean to say I haven't got faith to prophesy. It just means I just didn't, didn't do it. That's okay. I don't have to do it. But it's, so it's not using what we have. So I think if we recognize what we have, then it helps us really significantly. So if you change your mind and begin to believe that I have all the faith I am ever going to need, it really shifts something in your life because God hasn't given provision to give you more faith. There's nothing in the Bible that says God will give you more faith. There's nothing that says, you know, you can get more. There's nothing that says this is how you get more. There are things that says this is how you can use your faith. This is how you train. But I think the biggest, the biggest issue is, is that something opposes faith. Do you have this in Germany? I'm sure you have this in Germany. 
I'm not very good at drawing, but I have this little flag on the rope and this mark on the ground. And you have a team of people. They're pulling this way. And they're pulling this way. Do you have it? Tug of war, I think we call it. Yeah, okay. Uh, the other thing is, the other way to look at it is uh, we, we have this in our mythology. We have this creature that has two heads like this. You got this in German mythology. It's called a push me, pull you. Okay, don't know whether you have this, but that's a creature with two heads. One goes this way and one goes this way. Okay, you don't get very far. Okay, I think the problem we have with faith is this. Okay? It's not, it's not this. It's not this one. It's not get more, get more, get more, increase, increase, increase. I think the problem that we have with faith is this. So this is faith. And what I'd love you to believe is you have enough. It might be baby faith. It might be faith that has never been used. It might be faith that's never been trained. But in the same way that a baby has all the arms and legs and everything else, liver, kidneys, everything that it will ever need, yes, it has to grow them. Um, but our faith is not an issue, okay? It's given to us. It's a gift of God. We've got the measure. It's the faith of Jesus. And we have it. It's sufficient. But I know and you know my faith does not always produce the result that I want it to produce, okay? So I think we've got another problem, which is this. So rather than believing the problem is with our faith, we have a problem with this, which is called... Yes. I'm going to call it unbelief. I think we have a massive problem with unbelief. And I know it might seem like we're playing with words, but as long as you think this is your problem, we're really stuck. Because there's no provision in the Bible for getting any more than the gift that God has given us already. There's no provision for um, impressing God with our faith. There's nothing in the Bible that really tells us that this is something that we can change. It's a gift of God. Yes, we can use it. Yes, we can become skilled in using it. Yes, we can, we can um, get better. Yes, we can, we can make a choice in this, definitely. I don't think there's much evidence that we can get more. We can get more effective, but I don't think we can get more. And I, I will look up the scriptures that says increase your faith, because I'm sure it does say that. We'll have a look at that a bit later. But... I think this isn't the problem, because if this is the problem, we've got a big problem with God. God didn't give us enough. God didn't, God's unfair because, they, you know, God says it's by faith, but I don't have enough faith. There's people out there who say, I'd love to believe, but I just don't have any faith. There's unbelievers out there who say, well, it's all right for you, you just have faith. But according to the Bible, God has given to everyone a measure of faith. You just have to use the faith that you have. So I think if you believe faith is the issue, you've got a problem because you've got a problem you can't get out of. There's not much you can do about it. You can blame God, you can give up, 
you can, or you can spend your life doing spiritual exercises to try and increase your faith somehow. I'm not saying there's nothing you can do. There's definitely things you can do. But if this is our focus, I think we're, we're in the wrong place. This is our problem. And this is the, the problem we have is we, we often don't talk about unbelief. So we say, oh, I've got no faith, but we don't talk about unbelief. And I think if we can, if we can decide that our problem is unbelief, yes, that does mean we have some responsibility. But we do have some responsibility. That's why Jesus said, why do you worry? Why do you fear? Why do you reason? Why do you doubt? That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, why are you living in this place when you could be living in the place of, of faith? So, so I, I think it's much more helpful to see things in terms of unbelief. And actually, all those things that we did to increase our faith, in actual fact, what we're doing is reducing our unbelief. So what is unbelief? Okay, we've got a few doubts. Worry, fear, reasoning. So this mind does not help us in the area of faith at all. <laughs> Nothing wrong with having a, a, a logical mind. I have a very logical mind. But I know it doesn't help me to do miracles and faith exercises. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God operates on the, on the realm of faith. We are justified by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. God chose faith. That's, that's his idea, whether we like it or not. That's, that's the currency with which he, he operates. God actually is a God of faith. God operates in faith. You might never have thought of that, but God spoke and the world was made. God spoke and light. It's faith. God has faith in us. He has faith that we will believe in him. He hasn't forced us to believe in him. He hasn't forced us to love him. He is operating in his own faith by setting the world in, in this motion that he set it in, trusting and believing that we will respond to him. So God isn't asking us to do stuff that he himself doesn't do. He is massively a faith operator in himself. So it's part of his nature and therefore it's part of our nature. The problem is, is we often live in unbelief. There's probably others here, okay. Um, I can't, this, I mean, it's just not a complete list, but um, experience, uh, living by sight, so evidence. Um, anything else? I mean, there, there must be lots of other things that cause unbelief. So I, I think it makes quite a big difference because if I come up to somebody who's in a wheelchair and I think, oh, I've not got enough faith, I've not got enough faith, then that's the end of the story, right? Not with enough faith, he's going to stay in the wheelchair. But if I come to somebody in a wheelchair and say, I know that the faith I have inside of me is sufficient to heal him, and I know that is the will of God, what is hindering me? Then I can deal with those things. That's not to say deal with them in that my Christian life has to be back to the 
grind of trying to get better and do better and improve, but at least I know what the issue is. At least I know what is the problem. Perfect love casts out all fear, okay? So we do have the answer uh, to that. God has provided for all of this unbelief. It's just we have to recognize it for what it is. And um, we live by faith, not by sight. So our experience and our looking at things can never help us in our faith. Because faith is not about, faith is not about what we see. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. It's believing that what is not yet seen is an actual reality now. Not a reality in the future, but a reality now. So my healing is real now. I haven't seen it. That doesn't mean to say I'm not healed. It doesn't mean to say I'm not going to see the evidence of my healing. So it's acting on the reality of what you can't see now, which we find really difficult because we've lived in a world that does not operate by faith. We don't, we don't do much by faith apart from in our Christian uh, meetings and our Christian things. So, so I think we've got a big problem with unbelief and I think if we just admit that and recognize that, then we can start to see our faith working because if this gets less and less and this then starts to prevail we're going to get somewhere so some of the things this is just to finish some of the things that we have done to get more faith are necessary and are are helpful but the reason it hasn't worked is because we've wanted to get more faith rather than we've wanted to get less unbelief so what are some of the things that we can do to counteract this. Word, okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So we've read our Bibles in order to get faith and reading your Bible will help you in your faith. It will help you activate your faith and become active in your faith. But that's partly because when you read the word, you think, yeah, I've got nothing to fear. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. Jesus says, don't worry. Yes, these are the promises. This is the truth of who I live. This is what I live by. This is the truth of who I am. So you read the word and it encourages you not to dwell here, but to dwell in the truth and to dwell in love. So reading the word is really important and it definitely will help you operate in faith. But it's not because somehow as you read the word, you know, you get, you get a few, you know, you read one chapter, you get to hear, and then you read three chapters, you get to hear, and you read four chapters and you get to hear and have a little fast for the weekend. Bingo, that's it. You've impressed God. Ta-da! You've got the faith you needed. That's not how it works. It, it's not about that. It's about... If I remain here and I remain in the promises, I remind myself every day what Jesus has done, who I am, what he's promised, how he says he can, I can live. I can live without fear. I can live without doubt. I can live without worry. Because Jesus said it. He said, he said be an- don't be anxious. So that means it's possible to not be anxious. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying we don't get ourselves into this terrible spiral where we're out of control in anxiety. We can and we do. But... 
the issue is not because I didn't have enough faith, it's because I allowed anxiety to spiral out of control for whatever reason. And the reason is, I'm not abiding in the reality of the love of God in its complete wholeness. Now, I think we're going to be working on that for the rest of our lives on earth because none of us live in the fullness of the love of God. But the fact of the matter is, if, we f if we're focusing here on get more faith, get more faith, rather than what is, what is the word, what is the, what, what is the reality of the love of God, then we just end up in this hamster wheel that we can't ever we can't ever get good enough. What other things can we do? What other things have we done to improve our faith? I mean, it's it's things like worship, isn't it? Not necessarily singing songs, but singing songs sometimes helps. God has given us music to help us, to settle us, to get rid of our anxiety and fear, to do something for us. It, it helps our bodies, you know, secular music and, and Christian music. It, it's it's something that we can do that God has given us. Meditation, okay, that's not Zen. It's it's about what are you thinking of? Are you focusing your thoughts on Jesus, what he's done, or on what is causing you fear? So the meditation. So meditation can help. Uh, time, quiet time, whatever. Um, time out. Don't know what you want to call it, but that really helps with this because if you overcome with doubt you can read the bible and read six chapters and try and get it try and get enough faith to but actually reading the bible is not to try and get enough so that you've got enough and got more it's about there's something in this word that is living for me that is going to knock this doubt on the head because i've persuaded myself again so we are supposed to persuade ourselves and that's why we read the bible not very popular, but fasting helps. We don't fast very much uh, here. Um, you can say, well, Jesus has done all the fasting and I'm doing all the feasting. That's fine. You can live like that. That's great. But if you're living in that place of feasting, then you're not living in any of this. So if you're at that place where you really are at the feast and it's all joy and all goodness and all wonderful, fantastic, you don't really have to fast, but then you're not going to be living in this either, okay? So fasting can help. If you're really struggling and just cannot get your body under your control, then, then fast for a bit and tell it who's boss. Just fast and say, no, I, I am in control of who I am. I am in control of my emotions. I am in control of my thoughts. And that's that's the reason that I would fast. Not because if you fast, you get brownie points or scalp points, you know, and God adds a few more, you know, things into your, into your, uh, into your um, account so that you add it to your faith. Um, I'm sure there's other other stuff as well but it's just the other way around it's doing it for another reason so so we do this because because I don't want my unbelief to prevail I don't want my anxiety I don't want my faith my fear to be prevailing I don't want to be that being what is controlling me I want this which I have enough of I have enough of this faith God has given it me it's actually his faith it's good news it's really good news um, but this will not win 
if this is overwhelming us. And so I, I think that this is our problem. Now, you, again, you might think, oh, it's just words, it means the same thing. Well, I think it's helped me a lot because, first of all, I don't blame God anymore. Um, so it's not God's fault. It's not that God didn't choose to do it, that he hasn't done it, that he's failed me. Um, I, I know that he's done it, and I know that it's finished, and I know it's complete, and I know his will for me is all of these things. Um, I'm quite happy to accept that there are times when my, my, my all of this, I'm going to add unforgiveness, bitterness, all of these things um, is going to hinder my faith working. So, not sure if I've persuaded you anymore, but I think it's a better way to look at look at things. Um, right, let's have a look at this. Okay, I'm going to stop there because it's enough. There probably is a little bit more to say about faith, but we will uh, talk about it later. Okay? Anything you want to say? Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.